Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for your blood. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. again.
you love him, give him a hand clap of praise. And Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your victory. We thank you for your triumph. We thank you for your shed blood. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you. We thank you that you went to that cross and took our place and took our punishment and took our shame. That you shed your blood that we might be set free from sin and death and condemnation. That we might be reconciled and brought back to the Father. Righteous, cleansed, sons and daughters of the living God. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you. Help us to never lose our song. Help us to never lose the excitement of the great salvation you've given us. For certainly you have been good and you have been faithful. And if you believe that, somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. amen. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Mm. For the day will come when you will no longer say, why, Lord, why, Lord? But instead, by faith, you will see my mighty arm working in your situation. And you will even begin to understand a glimpse here and a glimpse there that I have worked through that. I was there during that time when you wondered why. But there will come a time when you will remove that from your speech. And instead, you will praise me for my wonderful works that again and again I have watched over you, and again and again I have come through for you. Amen. And though the enemy has tried to make you doubt my goodness and wonder why I didn't work as you thought I should, yet as you cling to me and you look firmly upon me, you will see and you will begin to understand that I have never failed you and I have never forsaken you. And I've worked in situations even when you didn't perceive it at first. And the day will come when you will no longer say, why, Lord, why? But you will praise me for my goodness and praise me for my faithfulness. And you will recognize that I, the Lord, have never failed you and I have never forsaken thee. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You have been good, Father. You have been faithful. Lord, 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 forgive us if we've doubted you. Forgive us if we doubted you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, if we've doubted and complained and we challenge your faithfulness. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. You have been there. You have been faithful. You have never failed us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm. Mm. The Bible talks about the power of a tongue, life and death in that tongue. Be very careful how you talk about God. We get used to flippant speech among our cronies and comrades. But too often... 
our speech to God belittles his greatness and actually mocks his faithfulness. Why, God, why? As if God wasn't smarter than us or if God has somehow been deficient in our lives. But know that the Lord is always too wise to ever make a mistake and too loving to ever be unkind. And there are reasons for things that we do not perceive. But it never tarnishes the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And the best thing faith can ever do is I praise him even when I don't understand him. But I will not criticize him. And I will not unduly question him. Because there's a big difference between asking God an honest question, seeking understanding, and then questioning God because I didn't like what happened or I didn't like how life treated me. But faith knows how to trust him and adore him and to praise him. Even when the natural mind can't perceive the whys and the how comes. But faith will never question God with the wrong attitude or the wrong spirit. So watch our mouths. And let's challenge our faith that no longer will we speak words that somehow attack or tarnish the faithfulness or the goodness of our God. Because God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Can you say amen? amen? Go ahead. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It is so good to have everybody out this morning. Wonderful day to see everyone in God's house praising the Lord. And we are so blessed to have the unis with us. Brother and sister uni, as most of you know, they, they live here for three months or so out of the year. They have one of the cottages on the grounds, but... After many years of pastoring, 20-plus years of being pastors, um, God put a new cap on them and called them to the evangelistic field. And so the next 25 years or so or more, they've been traveling from church to church, place to place, preaching the gospel. And um, God has used Brother and Sister Uni to lead so many to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God really had really given them a gift in that area to explain it and a faith to lead people into it. And that's just my own perception of this last decade of ministry but they've been coming here every year since i've been here and they have been a blessing wonderful um teacher of the word of god and just some wonderful insights and i know you're going to be blessed let's get ready to receive and respond and let god move in our midst amen let's give brother uni a big god bless you as he comes thank you Thank you, Pastor. What a joy, what a privilege, and a blessing it is for us to be here at our Florida home church. Uh, we miss you when we're not here, and uh, we've missed you thus far this year. Somebody asked a, a while ago, uh, when did you get here? I said, well, we've been here about a month and a half, but uh, we've been out ministering uh, each week. And uh, then on Wednesdays, a church in Lakeland had us teaching on the Holy Spirit every Wednesday night. And so uh, uh, that is finished. So this Wednesday night, now we will be here. But anyway... Uh, it's just exciting to be with all of you, and uh, I, I've 
find it just wonderful how God puts services together and orchestrates things, a uh, message in tongues and interpretation of that message in tongues. And it deals with uh, faith, really. Uh, in a nutshell, it was dealing with faith and trusting God, even in adversity and trials. And our message this morning deals with faith, actually. And uh, we could call this faith revival, maybe. Uh, the bulletin had said a revival, and so we'll call this a uh, a revival of faith this morning. But just before we do share the message of the morning, let me just take a quick moment to mention the table that is set up in the foyer area with some books and CDs and to let you know that the table runs itself. Don't feel like we have to be back there. Don't wait for us to come back there. If you're buying a book, you're buying a CD, you'll find a gray box on the table. Paying with a check, make it out fresh for our ministries, put it in the gray box. Paying with cash, put it into the gray box. If you need change, then come and find us. Paying with a credit card or a debit card, then come and find us. Otherwise, table runs itself. Everything's available for a $15 donation unless there's a sticker saying something else. Some books are $10 of a $10 sticker on them. Some CD packages are $20 of a $20 sticker on them. And $20 ones have two CDs in them, and that's why they're $20. But if there's no sticker on something, it would be $15. Now, there's a lot of different books on a lot of different subjects back there. Uh, We've got um, books on faith. There's books on prayer. There's books on fasting. There's books on end times. Uh, A couple of new books. I didn't bring them up here but uh, because we only had a couple copies of each of them left. But one is uh, by Jim Simbel, a great pastor from New York, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, And a few years ago, well, several years ago, he wrote a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, And now he's rewritten and updated that book. And so we've got the latest version of that book. Just an excellent book dealing with revival, refreshing, renewal, uh, fresh wind, fresh fire. And then there's another book back there by David Grant, a well-known Assemblies of God missionary to India for decades and a graduate of Southeastern Bible College, actually. But uh, anyway, we've got one of, uh, a copy of his books, two copies of that book back there. Uh, just tells his life story, very fascinating story. He talks about his time on the mission field. And so if you love mission books and mission stories, uh, that's a great book. But anyway, we encourage you to look at those two books that we've written. This one's called More Power, Supersizing the Working of the Holy Spirit, A Guide to the Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, tells you just what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How can I receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? How can I put it to use in my life? How can I not short search, make sure I don't short-circuit the baptism in the Holy Spirit? So that's available back there. And then more recently, we've written a book called God's Power Tools for Life and Ministry, a guide to the gifts of the Holy Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14. What are the gifts? What are some Bible examples of the gifts in operation? What are some testimonies of the gifts in operation today? We just had two of them in operation a few moments ago, a message in tongues and interpretation of that message in tongues. But there are seven other gifts, and they're covered in the book. A uh, couple of uh, CDs we want to mention. There are several CDs back there. Some of the modern courses of the church are on some of the CDs back there. But this one, First Church, this is available at. It's called Healer. And uh, we just got it just for the sake of one song that's in there. It's called Scars in Heaven. If you've ever heard the song, it's just a moving, moving song by uh, Casting Crowns. And so, but there's several other songs in there too. And so, we encourage you to look at that one. Alan Jackson, he's still around. Uh, we we keep selling these and selling these, and they they we just keep running out. If you love the old hymns of the church sung country style, this is the CD for you. The old hymns of the church sung 
by Ellen Jackson, a great, great uh, country singer, and so a born-again believer, by the way. And so uh, we encourage you to look at that. Uh, two other things quickly mentioned. You want to get our weekly emailing right on your email address. You want to get the written mailer right on your regular address. We'd be glad to send it to you, no cost, no charge. The emailing comes out on a Thursday night. It usually lets you know where we've been, what God's done in the services, where we'll be in the coming weeks. So if you want to get that weekly emailing, be sure to write down your email address. And then one last thing, please pick up one of our prayer cards. Some of you have been praying for us for years, and I know we get prayed for at uh, Tuesday morning prayer meetings, and we appreciate those prayers so very, very much. And we're encouraging you to please pick up a card. Bring it home. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your Bible. Put it in a book you're reading. And whenever you see the card, remember us in prayer. Last Sunday, we were ministering in Palm Bay, Florida. They're praying for this service. The week before that, it was Dunedin, Florida. Before that, Mulberry, Florida. Before that, it was Callahan, Florida. Before that, Lakeland, Florida. Now, join that army of prayers and pray God's going to minister this coming Sunday through Wednesday in Blairsville, Georgia. And then the week after that, we'll be in Winder, Georgia. After that, it's Palm Bay, Florida, a different church in Palm Bay, Florida. And then Noma, Florida, Florida City, Florida. And then we get to Bloomington, Indiana. And boy, we sure hope the weather is nice by the time we get there. And uh, then, if that's not far enough north, the week after that, we'll be in Howard, South Dakota. And so, you know, it doesn't matter where we go. We need God every single week. That's the bottom line. No week we can say, God, this week you take a rest. We'll do this one on our own. There's no such week. We need God every single week. So be our partners in ministry. And as you pray for us, where we go, you go. And what God does in those services, you've got a part in that. So bring a card home as a reminder. I think that's all we're going to share regarding the table. going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, please, and turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 12, reading verses 27 through 29. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 27 through 29. As you're turning there, I've shared this in several different places as, as kind of an introduction. You know, the history, history records that for a period of 300 years, the Roman Empire tried to eradicate Christianity. For 300 years, under 10 different emperors, They tried to eradicate and eliminate Christianity. Ten different emperors, Nero, Caligula, Tiberius, Vespasian, and several others, they did everything they could think of to try to eliminate that early church and to stop it from growing. They would beat them, whip them, imprison them, behead them. They did everything. And it seemed like the more they did the church continued to grow. Whatever they did, it just seemed to cause that church to grow even more. What they did was about as effective as somebody today trying to put out a grease fire with water. If you ever tried it, it doesn't work. It'll just spread more. Well, that early church, it just kept spreading and growing and growing and growing. And two of the keys were they were full of the Holy Spirit, and we've preached on that before, and the other key was they were full of faith. They were people who were full of faith. And so let's just look at this morning as a revival of faith. Let me read Hebrews chapter number 12, reading from the New King James Version, verses 27 through 29. 
The Bible says, now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. If you'll join me this, with me this morning, and let's make this our prayer as we pray this prayer together out loud this morning. Pray with me out loud, please. Dear God, I thank you for who you are and for what you are doing in my heart, in my life, and in this church. And this morning, I ask you to further your work in my heart, in my life, and in this church. Have your way in me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, please. I came across a story a while ago where a pastor was telling this story about some other pastor who was visiting an elderly lady from his church. And he went to this elderly lady's home and was visiting with her. And he noticed that there in the room where they were visiting, there was a coffee table. On the coffee table, there was a bowl with peanuts. And the pastor loved peanuts. And so as they're visiting, he'd grab a peanut and eat it. He'd grab another peanut and eat it. And he was chowing down on the peanuts. And they kept visiting for some time, and he kept on munching on the peanuts. And then he noticed that he had eaten all the peanuts that were in that lady's bowl. And he felt really, really bad. And so he began to apologize for eating all the peanuts that he had eaten and he had emptied the bowl. And the lady said, oh, pastor, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Because you see, pastor, this past week I had to go to the dentist and I had to have all my teeth removed because I'm getting false teeth and I had to get all my teeth removed. And I love chocolate-covered peanuts. But I can't chew the peanuts, so I suck the chocolate off the peanuts and I put them in the bowl. Pastor, you can have as many as you want. You know, it's important to know the source of something. In this case, the peanuts. Well, for us, it's important to know the source of how that early church was, the way they were, and how they were able to accomplish all the things that they were to accomplish. They were people who were full of faith, and they were full of the Holy Spirit. And this morning we encourage you, let's just be open to God. Let's allow His Holy Spirit to minister to us wherever we are at in our life this morning. I don't believe you are here by accident. I don't believe we are here by accident. But I believe God has divinely set this date up for us to be together. So let's look at three points together this morning. Point number one, what is going on? As we look around us today, we find things are being shaken in the world today. You don't have to look very long, very hard, very deep before you realize, hey, there's a shaking going on in this world today. There's a shaking in the realm of nature going on today. On a regular basis, you hear reports of, it might be earthquakes or hurricanes, droughts, tornadoes, floods, fires, and various other things in the realm of nature. 
Now, granted, news broadcasting is much more efficient than it has been in years gone by. But doesn't it seem to you that these things are happening with a greater frequency and a greater intensity than ever before? There's a shaking in the realm of nature today. And then you look at the nations of the world and we find a shaking going on today. Nations such as Russia and Ukraine on the verge of war. China and Taiwan with their own conflict and Iran and North Korea. There's a conflict and there's a shaking among the nations of the world today. Then we look at our own nation and there already was an opioid epidemic and a gridlock government. There already was a shaking going on. But now we find the shaking has escalated. We all know about the coronavirus that affected schools and sports and businesses and families and churches. The civil unrest, the riots and the looting, the new uh, fatal drug on fentanyl. And then there's more government gridlock and political chaos and a border on the south side of our country that's porous. And then there's the budget conflict. There's a shaking going on in our own nation today. But then perhaps this morning there's a shaking going on in our own personal world today. It might be in the area of our finances. It might be in the area of employment. It might be in the area of a relationship. It might be in the area of our health. It might be in the area of a family situation. There's perhaps a shaking going on in your own world today. You know, it only takes one phone call and our world can be shaken. It only takes one visit to the doctor's office and our world can be shaken. Only one visit to the mailbox and our world can be shaken. One visit to the boss's office and our world can be shaken. One opening of the emails and our world can be shaken. One swabbing of our nostril and our world can be shaken. About a year ago, a little more than a year ago, I ended up going to visit our local doctor for just a yearly exam, a yearly PSA test. I went in for the PSA test, and when the test results came back, they said, your level is supposed to be at 4 or below. And they said, your level is at 4.1. We were over the limit, over the threshold of what it should have been. They said, we need to do more testing. Those of you that were here last year, you knew the scenario up to this point. We then had to have more tests done here. They did a PHI test. And then they said, oh, yeah, there's something we need to test further. So then they did a biopsy. And what they found was there was beginning traces of cancer in the prostate gland. There was cancer that was there. And, you know, hey, you either got it or you don't. You know, it's not, well, you kind of, I kind of had it. You know, it, it's kind of like a lady saying, I'm kind of pregnant. You you're either are or you're not, you know. You can't kind of have it. And so I was diagnosed with prostate cancer about a year ago. I'll tell you the rest of the story later. But there's a shaking going on, perhaps, in your world even this morning. Brings us to the second point, what we have what we have. What does the shaking accomplish? I think we find an answer in our text this morning in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27. Well, this portion of scripture specifically in context deals with the end time events and deals with the end times. 
I think we can find an answer here as to what the shaking accomplishes as you look with me again at verse 27. It says, Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made. That, notice, that, that, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. That the things which cannot be shaken may remain. What does the shaking accomplish? It uncovers the things that cannot be shaken. So what is it that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, have that cannot be shaken? Let me mention five things that you and I have that cannot be shaken. And realizing these things and hanging on to these things prepares us for whatever may come in the future. First of all, you and I, we have an unshakable person, Jesus Christ. We've got an unshakable person with us, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the midst of a changing, shaking world, you and I, we've got an unshakable person with us, Jesus Christ. And he doesn't change, and he's not shaken. I tell you this morning, Jesus is not seated in the heavens, wringing his hands, saying, Oh dear, what in the world is going on down there? And oh my, what's going to happen next? And oh dear, what should I do? I tell you, he's not in the heavens, wringing his hands. But he knows exactly what is going on. He knows exactly what is going to happen. He knows exactly what he's going to do. And this incredible Christ has promised to be with you and I. Jesus said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Jesus says, lo, I'm with you always unto the very end of this age. Jesus knows you and he knows where you are at in your life. You're not alone. You're not alone, no matter where you're at and what you're going through. I still remember, as Pastor mentioned, we transitioned from pastoring for 20 years to God calling us into this ministry, and our world had been turned upside down. I mean, we, we had never taken classes to do this, never had, had gone to school to do this. We, we, it, our whole world had been turned upside down. And it was surely not on our radar. It surely was not on our bucket list that, well, someday we want to be an evangelist. In fact, when we, we were pastoring, we had evangelists come and go with our churches, both of them. And I watched them as they did this kind of a ministry. And there's something I said inside of my heart. I never said it to any of them, but inside of my heart, I said, thank God he never called us to do that. <laughs> well... 23 years ago, he called us to do this. Now that we're doing it, we love doing this. He knew better than we did what we would enjoy doing. But I still remember a piece of literature that came across my desk at that time. It's amazing how God can send the right thing across your path at the right time. This message might be the right thing at the right time across your path. But I still remember this piece of literature. It came from a group called Promise Keepers. If you've been in the church for some time in the church world, and especially if you're a man, there's a men's ministry group called Promise Keepers. And I still remember this piece of literature that came across my desk, and this is what it said from Promise Keepers. 
God may turn your world upside down, but he will not abandon you. God may turn your world upside down, but he will not abandon you. Oh, he turned our world upside down. He really did. But I found he's not abandoned us. He's been there week after week and month after month and year after year. You and I, we can know that we have an unshakable person with us, Jesus Christ. You're not alone. He's there with you no matter what you're in the midst of. Second of all, you and I, we've got unshakable promises, his word. We have unshakable promises in his word. The promises of his written word. Also the promises of his spoken word. What he has spoken by his Holy Spirit to your heart. And said this is what I'm going to do. Jesus said in Luke 21 verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. His word does not change. His word does not become ineffective. Oh yes there are conditions to his word. God says, if you do this, then I will do that. God says, if you don't do this, then I can't do that. There are conditions that come with those promises. But you and I, we've got the unshakable promises of his word. It doesn't matter what the changes are out there. Doesn't matter what the shakings are. His word is unshakable. His word is unshakable. I remember going back, going to that first pastorate. We were, we were, the district superintendent had called that first church we were going to, he called it a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. I've often said, I, I now know what it means when a superintendent calls a church a wonderful opportunity. What it means is he can't find anybody in their right mind to go there, and he wish you'd go there. That's what it means if a superintendent tells you it's a wonderful opportunity. I mean, it was such a great opportunity that two years earlier they had locked the doors. They had shut the doors, locked the place up. It was such a great opportunity they thought, we'll lock the place down. Nothing in common sense said to pursue it. But we went up there. They voted us in as as pastors of New York Mills Assembly of God, New York Mills, Minnesota. And we were so excited. We had a pastorate before we had even graduated from Bible school. The plan was we'd go back to Minneapolis-St. Paul, finish our month of school at North Central Bible College, and then from there we would, uh, after graduation, begin our pastoral ministry. And we told people of this wonderful opportunity that we've got this pastorate now, and we were so excited, and people thought, they're nuts. People told us, you're nuts, you're crazy. Do you know what happens to people who go there? I mean, nobody seemed to think it was a good idea. Except God had put it on our hearts to go there. We had gotten voted in. And I'll never forget being in the church we were attending while we were going to Bible school. And these questions are rolling over my mind. What have I gotten ourselves into? What have we gotten ourselves into? What's going to happen to us? What's going to become of us? What have we done? And there was a pause in the worship time. And there was a message in tongues and interpretation, just like we had this morning. There was a message in tongues and interpretation. And just as I'm asking these questions, are we going to make it? Are we going to survive? What's going to happen to us? This was the message in tongues and interpretation. Preach the word. Believe the promises. And I will fill your house. That was it. I found God often isn't real word. He can get the point across pretty quickly. Just preach the word. Believe the promise. I'll fill your house. That was it. 
And for no explainable reason, it surely wasn't us, for no explainable reason except God doing what God said he would do, he did exactly what he said he would do. I'll tell the rest of the story later, but the point is, what has God said to you? Hang on to it, hang on to it, hang on to it. What has God said to you? Hang on to it. Beth Moore said in an interview one time, she said, God spoke to me and God said, you believe in me, but you don't believe me. You know, sometimes we can believe in him, but not believe him. We need to believe God. She went on to write a book called Believe God. Parts of the book, the premises of the book are these. God is who who he said he is. God can do what he said he can do. We are who God says we are. And we can do what God says we can do. We need to believe God. We need to believe God. Glenn Berto, one of our preachers, he said, it's not what we see that's important, it's what he says. We need to believe God. Hang on to what he has said. Hang on to the promises of his written word. Hang on to the promises of his spoken word. Hang on to what God has said. Thirdly, you and I, we have an unshakable power the Holy Spirit. In the midst of a changing, shaking world, we have an unshakable power, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within every believer. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 tells us that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Every believer has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And then, in addition to that, Every believer is eligible for the baptism in the Holy Spirit that gives an added, extraordinary dimension of the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse verse 8, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. This unshakable power works in all conditions. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, let me give the context there. Prior to that, Paul says, I know what it's like to be blessed. I know what it's like to abound. I know what it's like when everything is going the way we want it to go in life. And then on the heels of that, Paul says, I know what it's like to be naked. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like like to experience need. He's saying, I know what it's like when life goes sideways too. And then on the heels of that, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can make it through the good times. I can make it through the hard times. The Holy Spirit gives us strength. The Holy Spirit gives us power. The Holy Spirit gives us peace. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The Holy Spirit gives us that enablement. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in every believer. Fourthly, you and I, we've got an unshakable provision. My God shall supply. In the midst of a changing, shaking world, we have an unshakable provision. Again, quoting Paul from Philippians 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Again, to give the context, the letter of Philippians, the book of Philippians, is a thank you letter from Paul to the church at Philippi. 
he's thanking them for giving to his missionary ministry. And Paul's writing this thank you letter to the church at Philippi. And at, in the context of that, he writes then in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You and I, we've got an unshakable provision. I'll never forget something I heard Mark Bentain say one time. Missionary to Calcutta, India. And he spent decades and decades and decades in Calcutta, India. And he said there was a sight he would see every morning as these special trucks, now not garbage trucks, but special trucks, would go through the streets of Calcutta, India, and they would be picking up the bodies of the people who had starved to death overnight. He said, I saw the sight week after week, month after month, and year after year, as they were picking up the bodies of the people who had starved to death. But this is the part that stuck in my mind. He said, in all those years, all those decades, he said, I never, ever, ever saw a believer thrown into one of those trucks. You say, didn't believers die in Calcutta, India? Oh, yeah, they died there like anywhere else. The Bible says there's a time to be born, there's a time to die. People died in Calcutta like anywhere else. But he said, I never saw a believer thrown into the back end of one of those trucks. God found a way, somehow, some way, to provide for his children, even in Calcutta, India. I tell you, it works in Calcutta, India. It works in Whitewater, Wisconsin. I tell you, it works in Plant City, Florida. You and I, we've got an unshakable provision that our God shall supply. Somehow, someway, he shall supply. You know, in this kind of a ministry, you like to have every week filled somewhere. You're you're trying to schedule services always, and you want every week to be filled. And we could have never have imagined that we could go two and a half months without any services when churches were closed because of COVID, now a couple years ago almost. But somehow, someway, God found a way to provide. Checks come in from places you've never even heard of, places, people you don't even know. God has a way. God has a way. I tell you, it works. God has a way of providing somehow, some way. You know, people today are shaken by, oh my, what's going to happen with the economy? What's going to happen with those gas prices? Are they ever going to stop going up? And inflation, it's now at a 40-year high. Is it going to go to a 60-year high or an 80-year high? Is it, what's going to happen with inflation? I don't know. I really don't know, but I can tell you what I do know. You and I, we've got an unshakable provision that our God shall supply. Somehow, some way, our God shall supply. And then fifthly, you and I, we've got an unshakable proclamation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our proclamation, our message is the gospel. It's the greatest message in all the world. It doesn't matter what the changes are out there. doesn't matter what the shakings are out there. You and I, we've got an unshakable proclamation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It never becomes irrelevant. It never becomes outdated. It never changes. I think of Paul as he anticipated coming to Rome, that great city, the center of the great Roman Empire, center of political power, 
military power, financial power, a city that was obsessed with sports and sex. And Paul could have wondered, what good can the gospel do in a place like that? But Paul, writing to the Romans prior to coming, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, As much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. In the midst of a changing, shaking world, you and I, we've got an unshakable proclamation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It works in all cultures. It works in all cities. Say all cities and all settings. It doesn't matter who a person is. Doesn't matter what they've done. Doesn't matter where they come from. If they will accept it and they will believe it, it will work in their hearts and lives. You and I, we've got an unshakable proclamation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm often reminded of when we were getting ready to go to that wonderful opportunity. I thought I would go and visit that superintendent who had first told us of that wonderful opportunity. And I thought I would ask him what I thought was a very logical question. We're going to a church that had a very, very uh, checkered reputation. Things that happened there that weren't good things to have happened. And it's a small town. And by small, I mean small. It was 750 people. And if you've ever lived in a small town, you know what that's like. When something happens, it spreads like wildfire. Everybody knows everything that's going on. And so I thought I'd go and ask him what I thought was a logical question. What is the potential in a place like New York Mills, Minnesota? You only got a pool of 750 people to start with. And they've all heard all these things. What's the potential in a place like New York Mills, Minnesota? And I'll never forget his answer to me. His name was Herman Rohde. And he had these little Rohdeisms, these little parables, these little picture stories, you know. And so I asked him the question, what is the potential in a place like New York Mills, Minnesota? And he looked at me and he said, Bill, 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 you need to have the same outlook as the local undertaker. He sees everybody as a potential customer. The local undertaker sees everybody as a potential customer. He figures that if Jesus don't come, and if he stays in business long enough, he's going to have you as a customer. We need to see everybody as a candidate for the message of Jesus Christ. It'll work in anyone's life. It'll work in anyone's life who will believe in it and accept it. It'll work in their life. Today, people are afraid and shaken and bemoaning what a mess this world is in. But oh, what an opportunity you and I have got. Because you and I, we've got an unshakable person, Jesus Christ. We've got unshakable promises in his word. An unshakable power in the Holy Spirit. An unshakable provision our God shall supply. And an unshakable proclamation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In our text, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 says, You and I... We receive a kingdom cannot that cannot be shaken. We're a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Doesn't matter what's on the news tomorrow. Doesn't matter what's on the news next week. You and I, we're part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And that brings us to the third and the last point this morning. What kind of people should we be in light of what we have? And in the midst of all the shaking going on in our world, what kind of people should we be? 
The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter writing, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. The hope, the hope that is in you. You know, today that word hope, it seems to have lost so much of its meaning today. It seems like such a wishy-washy word, a whiny word, a wimpy word. People say, I sure hope so. You know what that word literally meant when Peter used it, translated from the Greek? Literally, it means to have a confident expectation. There's nothing weak, whiny, or weasley about that word. To have a confident expectation. Now, let me put it together with another verse. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. In part, that verse says this. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Now, let me put it together. What is a prisoner? A prisoner is somebody who can't get away, right? Unless something really goes wrong at your local jail, a prisoner is somebody who cannot get away. The Bible says that we were to be prisoners of hope or to have a confident expectation in God that we just can't get away from. It's we're shack- like we're shackled to that confident expectation in God. We're handcuffed to that confident expectation in God. It doesn't matter where we go. There's a confident expectation in God. doesn't matter what people are saying. There's a confident expectation in God. It's like we're shackled. We're handcuffed to that confident expectation in God. We just can't get away from it. It's there. It's there. It's there. Having a confident expectation that God's going to sustain us. We're going to make it. Whatever you're in the midst of, You're going to make it. Whatever I'm in the midst of, I'm going to make it. Having that confident expectation that we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Yes, we are. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me go back to that prostate exam and that prostate report that I got. That There was prostate cancer. And so then they gave different options of treatment. There was surgery. There was radiation and various different treatments that were made available. In our part of the world, we, we live close to the University of Wisconsin-Madison, one of the leading medical centers in, in the country, and they had a branch close to where we live. And, you know, usually radiation, you, it was a nine-week process. And then it had been cut down to a four-week process. Well, the University of Wisconsin-Madison Med- Medical Center, they had cut it down to having five treatments, over a period of 10 days, five 20-minute treatments over a period of 10 days. You got one treatment every other day for 10 days, so you had five treatments. And so they did that over a period of 10-day period in, in July. Went through it, um, d- didn't feel a thing. Well, I wouldn't even know I had prostate cancer if the test didn't show it. I felt fine before. Went through the radiation, felt fine. I told Beth, I said, I don't know if they're doing anything. You know, I just go there, lay for 20 minutes, and I leave, you know, and go about this, you know. But uh, judging by what the bills were that the insurance company was paying, you know, they must have been doing something. But anyway, they, they uh, did that, and then um, we came down here for the general counsel, in fact, and then we preached here right after having those treatments, shortly thereafter, 
And then three months afterwards, they did a blood test to see what that PSA test count was. And it had gone from 4.1, it was now 1.47. And so that was good. So then three months later, just before we came here, they did another PSA test, and the count now was 0.7. And so it had gone from 4.1 to 0.7. And the doctor said, you're, you're, as long as you've got a prostate gland, you're going to always have a prostate count. You know, don't look for zero because you're going to have a count if you've got a prostate gland. And so uh, he was thrilled, and we were thrilled, and we thank God for what God did. We thank God for what God did, and we give him all the thanks, all the praise, all the glory. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, do things always turn out the way we expected them to? No, not always. But God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. That's what the message in tongues and interpretation was dealing with. God knows what he's doing. We need to just trust him. We need to trust him. Trust him. I've said this before. You know, the, the Beatitudes in the book of Matthew and, and in other Gospels, there's all the blessed. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, all these blessed uh, statements. And there's one that's not in there, but I think it should be in there. And it would be this. Blessed are the flexible, for they will not be bent out of shape. We need to be flexible with God, realizing that if we don't understand it, He still does. And just trust Him. Trust Him. Do things always happen in our timing? No. But we need to again trust Him. Trust Him. That's part of faith. We trust Him. And also having a confident expectation that only will God sustain us, but a confident expectation that God is working in us. He's working in my life. He's working in your life. He's working in our lives. Sometimes it's obvious what he's doing. Other times we wonder, what is God doing? Sometimes we wonder, is God doing anything? But God's doing something even when it looks like he's not doing anything. God is working in our lives. We're going to pray we're going to fast, we're going to seek God, but we're believing that God is working in our hearts and God is working in our lives. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul writing, being confident, there's that word, being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's working in us. He's working in us. Thirdly, having a confident expectation that our lost loved ones are going to come to know Christ. You don't have to go too far down anybody's family tree before you find unsaved loved ones. But to have a confident expectation that as we're praying for them, God's working in their hearts. God's working in their lives. God's setting up divine appointments. Now God will never take away their freedom of choice. They will always have that freedom of choice. But God can do amazing things to bring people to that point of decision. Having that confident expectation. Fourthly, having a confident expectation that God can and God will use us. God can use each one of us. But the devil will sit on the shoulder of every believer and whisper every lie he can think of as to why God can't use you. But I tell you, don't you dare believe him. He's a liar. He's a liar. God can use you. And the good news is, you don't have to be like somebody else. God can use you. And the way you are wired, the way you are made, 
God can use you to minister to the people around you and the people he sets up divine appointments for you to meet with. Let me go back for a moment to that wonderful, wonderful opportunity. It's our first first pastorate. We were 25, I was 25 years old when I went there to start pastoring. And uh, you can tell that was several years ago. <laughs> but it's 25, 25 years old, went to pastor there. And we had never pastored before. But God had said, preach the word, believe the promises, I'll fill your house. And it surely wasn't our doing. We had no great program. We had no great uh, method of what, whatever, what happened. But I'll tell you what God did. God sent a young couple to come to that church and be a part of our church. They were already believers. They had no business moving there whatsoever. They had no relatives there. They had no job waiting for them. They had no friends. They had no business coming there whatsoever except God was placing them there to fulfill what he had said. And so what happened then was he needed to find a job. His name was Bill and he needed to find a job. He's looking around, where can I find a job? Where can I work? I mean, there's only limited opportunities in town of 750 people. And so finally, he found this young man in town who was looking for somebody to help him in the painting business. His name was Doug. Doug was a painter. He painted houses. He painted barns. A professional painter. He also was a rock musician. He, paint, he, he played music and his band played in bars and nightclubs at night. And Doug, the painter, hired Bill, the man from our church, to work for him. Bill began to work for Doug, and Bill began to tell Doug about Jesus. Now, Bill was as quiet and laid back as any person I have ever met in my life. But he just would share Jesus with his boss when the opportunity was there. Doug wasn't real interested, though. And Bill wasn't pushy. He just shared as much as Doug could tolerate at any one setting, and and then he'd let it lay, and then next opportunity came by, he'd share again. And that went on for weeks, went on for months. But Doug wasn't interested. In fact, he had a name for all the people of New York Mills Assembly of God. You have to understand that our last name is Uni. You also have to understand there's a cult out there called the Moonies. And so he had a name for the people of New York Mills Assembly of God. They were known as Uni's Moonies. And he was not interested in becoming one of them. Not at all. But Bill kept telling him about Jesus. Weeks went by, months went by. One Sunday morning I looked out and there was Doug sitting right over there. Sat through the worship time, sat through the preaching, sat through the altar time and he left. We didn't see him. But Bill kept working for Doug and telling him about Jesus. Days went by, weeks went by, months went by. Lo and behold, one Sunday morning I looked out and there was Doug sitting right over there again. Now, he wasn't even a believer yet, but he learned that people always sit in the same place when they come to church. He sat right over there. Sat through the preaching, sat through the altar time, sat through the worship. He sat through the whole thing. And then he left. We didn't see him for weeks, didn't see him for months, but months later looked out and there was Doug sitting right over there again. We are having communion that Sunday morning and we often said before communion that if you're here this morning and you've not given your life to Christ, you can do it right here, right now, right where you're at because communion is a service where followers of Jesus remind themselves of what Jesus has done for them. 
But if you've never accepted Christ into your life, you can do it right here, right now, this morning. And that morning, right over there, Doug asked Jesus to come into his life. Jesus came into his life, forgave him of his sins. Coming days, he got baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he brought his wife to church, and she gave her life to Christ, brought his teenage daughters to church. They gave their lives to Christ. They were all, they were all musical. We instantly had a worship team. We just had to redirect their music, and, but we instantly had a worship team. But the thing was, I'll never forget the day when Doug came to me, and he said, Pastor, Pastor, can I bring my outlaw friends to church? You see, Doug didn't run with the mayor and the councilman. They were wonderful people, but they weren't in his sphere of friends. He ran with another element of society, and he said, Pastor, can I bring my outlaw friends to church? I said, sure, bring the outlaws. He said, what if the church people won't accept them? I said, you just bring the outlaws. I'll deal with the church people. And he started bringing his outlaw friends, and they started coming to Christ. And they had friends, and they were coming to Christ. And they had friends and they were coming to Christ. And pretty soon we couldn't fit in the building anymore. Had to knock out a wall to make more space so we could all fit in the building. But I've humorously thought later, you know, one of the beauties of all of that was that if, if somebody locked their keys in the car, we never had to call a locksmith to New York Mills Assembly of God. We had a church full of people who could break into locked cars. They had done it for years before they came to Jesus. But Jesus was changing their lives. And then people in the church thought, hey, I got friends, I can do that. And they started bringing their friends. And before long, we couldn't fit in the church building. But the point was, God can use you. Just like God used Bill Noon. He turned that whole church around. It wasn't me. It was him that had most to do with it. But God was using this man who was as quiet and laid back as anybody had ever met in my life. And then one last thing having a confident expectation that Jesus is coming back. We still believe that, don't we? Jesus is coming back. It might be today. If it's not today, then maybe tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, then maybe the next day. But Jesus is coming back, and we're going to be ready, and we're going to be serving him when he comes. But Jesus is coming back. In closing this morning, the closer we get to Jesus' return, the more shaking there's going to be. Let me say it again, the closer we get to Jesus' return, the more shaking there's going to be. But you and I, we can be prepared for the shaking, remembering that you and I, we've got an unshakable person, Jesus Christ. We've got unshakable promises in his word. We've got an unshakable power in the Holy Spirit, an unshakable provision that our God shall supply, an unshakable proclamation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I, we need to be people of unshakable hope, having a confident expectation in God that we just can't get away from. It's like we're shackled, we're handcuffed to that confident expectation in God, and we just can't get away, just waiting to see what God is going to do in our lives, our situations, and in our lives as a body of believers, looking forward to what God is going to do. Let's bow our heads together in prayer this morning. Beth, if you'll come to the keyboard, please. Father, this morning we thank you and we praise you from the very depths of our heart for who you are. Father, this morning we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. 
Father, 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 this morning we thank you for Jesus. Because, Father, we realize that without Jesus, we'd have no relationship with you. We'd have no possibility of a relationship with you. Father, this morning we are so thankful and so grateful for Jesus. And, Father, we realize that we can never earn, merit, or deserve that relationship on our own. But it's through Jesus. And we can never earn, merit, or deserve whatever we receive from you. But it's through your grace and through your mercy. And we thank you for your grace and mercy. And all that's available to us through Jesus. Father, we pray that in these next few moments, your Holy Spirit's work will be furthered in each of our lives. Father, this morning we realize that without a commitment of our life to Jesus, we have no relationship with you. We're on our own to make it in this life. No home waiting for us in heaven. None of the things I've preached on because they're only available to followers of Jesus. Father, we pray that in these closing moments, you'll do things in our heart and life that only you can do as we give you access to our life. Realizing you never force your way into anyone's life, but you wait for us to open the doors and the windows of our life. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, please, I don't know each person here this morning. I don't know who's watching online this morning. But you might say, preacher, you just said a moment ago that without a commitment of our life to Jesus, we have nothing. No relationship with God on our own to make it in this life. No home waiting for us in heaven. We have nothing. But the good news this morning is Jesus stands with his arms wide open just waiting for you. He's waiting for you with open arms, saying, come to me, I'll cleanse you, I'll forgive you, I'll make you a child of God. I'll be with you while you walk on this earth. I'll prepare a home for in heaven when this life is done. He's waiting for you. Whether you're here in the sanctuary or watching online. Or you might say, preacher, I've done that before, but you know, you know, you know that as sure as you're sitting here this morning or watching online, you're not living by that commitment you made to Christ. And something we committed our life to years ago, but we're not living by today, doesn't do us any good. The issue isn't years ago. The issue is where we at this morning. But the good news this morning is he stands with his arms wide open saying, come back to me. I'll cleanse you. I'll forgive you. I'll restore you. I still got a plan for your life. He's waiting for you with open arms. Thirdly, you might say, preacher, I am a follower of Jesus, but there's stuff in my life that shouldn't be there. I need Jesus to cleanse me, to wash me, to forgive me of the sin in my life. And the good news this morning is Jesus stands with his arms wide open, just waiting to cleanse, to wash, to forgive, if we're just willing to admit and acknowledge our need of his cleansing and forgiveness and be willing to repent and turn from the sin. He stands with his arms wide open, just waiting just waiting. And he'll help you to overcome the sin. This morning in this first altar call, we're not having come forward, but just simply right where you're seated in a moment or those watching online. If you need to make that commitment of your life to Christ or you need to recommit your life to Christ or you need cleansing and forgiveness from sin, 
In a moment, we're going to ask you to slip up your hand, and then we're going to have one word of prayer for everyone who slips up their hand this morning. So this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, please. This morning, if you need to make that commitment of your life to Christ, or you need to recommit your life to Christ, or you need cleansing and forgiveness from sin, this morning, right here, right now, right where you're at, just slip up that hand right now, just slip it up right now,